How much do you think you've been given? <laughs> a lot. Everything. I pray that we think along that line so that we are um, <clears throat> pleased. Uh, how else could we put <laughs> that he has given us so much? We have life. We have opportunity. And to whom much has been given, much shall be expected. Let's go to Matthew and see this tonight again from even this morning. The much that was given to those people that were born and raised during the millennium, all the wonderful blessings, yet they turn and side with Satan at the end. And I uh, was making comments this afternoon. Someone said, well, it just shows that Free will is still in, operat in operation at the, during the millennium too. God doesn't force them, but they have the opportunity to believe or reject. Here we have another invitation in Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. In verse 1 we read, And Jesus answered and spoke unto them again by parables. And this is the third parable in the group of parables as the Lord honed in on the Pharisees who had asked him the question prior to him giving the parables by what authority do you do these things and he answered with a, with a question and he didn't have to answer because they didn't answer his question <laughs> back there in chapter 21 and he spoke in parables and said the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who made a marriage for his son and he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come again he sent forth servants saying tell them who are bidden Behold, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it. <clears throat> they went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. And the remnant took the servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard of it, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they who were bidden were not worthy. Go therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man who had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Interesting words, that last verse, isn't it? <laughs> Many are called, but few are chosen. And on what basis does God choose us? On another choosing that is of the human person of the Son of God, as according to Peter. According to his foreknowledge, he chose us. And his foreknowledge involved our decisions, knowing what we would decide. And so you put that there with that verse 14 and make sure you, we do. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for the enlightening of this parable to our hearts tonight. 
thank you for the opportunity we have as we have been invited we are in this parable we've been invited to the wedding to the marriage and I pray that we would be part of it each and every one here would say yes I reply to the to the wedding invitation and by faith humbly submitting to you <coughs> believing on the Lord Jesus bless those who know this and have that assurance that they're in the <coughs> bride of Christ to be part of this wonderful wedding we ask and pray in Jesus name amen And so we get to this third parable. The first one was a parable about obedience and its reward, the two sons. The second parable was about obstinance and its result, the householder, the vineyard, and the husbandman. Now we're in this parable, a parable about opportunity and its rejection. Now each one of these parables are aimed at the Jewish people, Jewish religiously is right in front of the Lord Jesus. And so this one's aimed right there as well to, to these people. <clears throat> and Jesus answered and spoke unto them again in parables as we've mentioned the king's open invitation if you've got your outline there to the Hebrew race is given in verses 1 to 7 verses 8 to 14 is uh, the Lord the king's open invitation to the human race so first of all the Hebrew race the king's son being rejected by obstinate Jews is now in the third parable having a marriage feast prepared for him the first part of the parable tells there of their opportunity and their rejection of it the second part deals with the opportunity of the Gentiles and their reception and rejection of it <clears throat> the place that this parable is given is at Jerusalem the purpose the Lord was there to die to cast the Jews out of their privileged position of 2,000 years almost and to give this prophetic far-reaching parable that we have before us tonight. And so the king's declaration here we see that he sent certain individuals and the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who made the marriage for his son. And so the wedding is declared in verse 1 and 2 and then the workers are dispatched in verse 3 they, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come now have you been invited to a wedding that you have had to say no to mitigating circumstances or something that's come, come that you can't, can't make it to or prior commitments and sometimes that happens uh, but uh, you let them know of your regret not able to come and you're sorry that you can't but this is not the case here. They didn't want to go to start with. And they wouldn't go even if they were sitting home doing nothing. And so the workers are dispatched to give the invitation. The invitation was given. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 3. The, we've already considered in other, the other parables that the Lord sent them prophets and priests and kings in the past to call them to himself and they slew some and they did terrible things to others they threw them down into pits they chased them all over the country they made these prophets of the Lord and preachers of the Lord to live in caves and dens and the, and the Bible says that the world was not worthy of the men the, and women that were sent to them with the good message of God 
And here in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 3, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So here's the first one dispatched with the new message of come to the wedding. <laughs> come to the wedding. It was John the Baptist. Then in chapter 4 and verse 17, we have the next one dispatched to take the message to them. Chapter 4 verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Second one dispatched. The Lord Jesus is giving the message directly. The Son of God, the Son, is giving the message. Come to the wedding. <laughs> Come to the wedding. And then if you go to chapter 10 and verse 5 of Matthew, chapter 10 and verse 5 through to 8, <clears throat> then these twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles, and into the, any city of the Samaritans enter not. Don't go anywhere, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, hey, this is the third time, same message, same people. What is it? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're invited to the marriage. <laughs> Come. And uh, heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and all the things that are mentioned in those verses there. If we go to Luke chapter 10, Gospel of Luke chapter 10, verse 17. <clears throat> Down to verse 20, Luke 10, 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan is as lightning falling from fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hey, is this what we do today? No. <laughs> Don't try it. Um <clears throat> See those people that charm snakes and cobras and I see one got bit the other day. He'd been bitten a few times, but this time was the last time. <laughs> and he wasn't a Christian. <laughs> that was another another belief system. But those people that believe this is this is not for today. That was back then. This is preaching the gospel of the kingdom and that was come, that was attached the miracles were attached to that in the early church. Yes, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so here are these workers that is dispatched to invite the Jews to the wedding. So they were sent. And then in verses 3, the last part of it, down to verse 6, they were scorned. They that were bidden to the wedding, they would not come. And again he sent forth other servants to tell them, who are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings, I mean, this is a good meal. This is a great wedding. This is a great feast. And all things are ready. Come now unto the marriage. <laughs> Been called by mum, dinner time. And it's hot, and it's on the table, and it's ready. And if you're not here soon, you're in trouble. <laughs> well, everything was prepared. <laughs> the, 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 nothing more needed to be done. <laughs> 
So the first refusal is given in the last part of verse 3. The further refusal in verses 4 to 6. And fresh details are revealed by the king as we've just read in verse 4. I've, there's, there's extra here. <laughs> this is more about the, the marriage feast and was given to the first group. But they, in verse 5, the fatal defiance is seen, they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. <clears throat> Careless, carelessly neglecting the invitation and carelessly rejoicing or sorry, rejecting the invitation also in verse 6. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Um, this invitation was given again to the Jews. After the death of the Lord Jesus, they went to the Jew first. Even the apostle, as we say it, I've said it many times, even the apostle to the Gentiles, who was Paul, went to the Jews in whatever town he went to but he always went to the Gentiles too the invitation was given to them after Pentecost to the Jew first and uh, we have the privilege of having Andrew there to the Jew first <laughs> he's there uh, what's their response to the invitation to the wedding today no different than it was back then in the Lord's day they're doing the same thing they want to get a hold of those that do this sort of thing and try to try to upset their religion and their <coughs> system of belief. They get really upset with that. <coughs> the majority rejected the message even there at after and around Pentecost. Let's look at some book the, some readings in the book of Acts, Acts chapter four, verses one to three. This is the response of the second invitation to the Jews. Before Pentecost, before the death and burial and resurrection, the Lord, John the Baptist, the disciples, and the 70 went out taking the message. After Pentecost, they went out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yes, they did take it to them. The Lord is pretty insistent on keeping the message coming. Very, like, very much like the thousand-year reign of Christ. The message goes out constantly. I'm in Acts 14, Acts 4, verses 1 to 3. We read, And they spoke unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, and being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, it's not repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They speak of the death, the burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus now. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. But many of them who heard the word believed. So there is a part response. And the number of men was about 5,000. That is a good response. <laughs> I'd love to have that happening today. 5,000 responding to the message that was given to some who were bidden to this, the marriage they came what blessed people we are they were chapter 7 of book of acts and verse 54 we read there <clears throat> 754 and when they heard these things they were cut to the heart they gnashed on him with their teeth this is talking about stephen's sermon and their the jews reaction to it 
And he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God. What does it say back in our parable? They slew them. So here's that message going out to the Jews again, even after the death, burial, and resurrection, after Pentecost, and we see the reaction, a hardened heart. Chapter 8, and verse 1 of Acts. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which is at Jerusalem. And they're all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. In chapter 11 and verse 19, as we go through the book of Acts, as a message is taken out from Jerusalem, in verse 19, Now they who were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word of God to none but unto who? The Jews only. Remember Brother um, Mackay here, John. Um, uh, Gary <laughs> the other day was speaking from this passage here and the message went out there and <clears throat> they were speaking to the Jews it had to turn somewhere that they went to the Gentiles and remember at Antioch and great things happened there and um, remember that's where Peter Peter was confronted by Paul at Antioch because he was there enjoying fellowship with the Gentile believers and he saw some Jews coming who were from Jerusalem and all of a sudden um, separated himself from the Gentile believers. So there was Gentiles and Jews and they were being saved, invited to the wedding. But still, as we go back to our parable here, <clears throat> they were the messengers and the message was being scorned basically by the Jewish people. <clears throat> and remember the response of the apostles, well, if you don't want to hear... We'll go to the Gentiles, and they still got mad at that. Well, what do you want? <laughs> they wanted just to stop preaching the message at all. Doesn't the devil want to do that? Us to stop preaching the message at all to anybody, whether it be Jew first and to the Gentile. He doesn't want the message to go out, and he's trying to silence it by every means possible. In our country, there's government. There will be in the future, and there is to a degree already the government interference in what we're allowed to preach. It started, hasn't it? With the sodomy thing, and that it started. Um, <clears throat> the king's anger and displeasure is seen in verse 7 of the parable. And when the king heard it, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Does it take much to understand what happened there? <laughs> The king heard it. He was very upset that this was happening to the apostles, to the early church. He sent forth his armies. Now, who were the his armies that destroyed those murderers and burned up their city, literally? <laughs> the Romans in 70 AD. That's exactly what they did. The army, the, they're the Lord's armies that were sent to deal a blow and scatter Israel for 2,000 years and in, in dispersing them throughout the countries of the world because of their disbelief. You know, I, I think 
As you look at this, as we think about this morning's message, God is very patient and long-suffering, isn't he? He, he waits, he waits, he gives invitation after invitation to people, to nations. Uh, for instance, a recent one is Russia. Mr. Gorbachev, remember Mr. Gorbachev? <laughs> Open Russia to the gospel. And the message went in there. A lot of people went in there. But now Mr. Putin has what? Closed the door. God gave an opportunity to a country that had been so mean to Christians, to any believer in their country. And no one was allowed in that was a Christian anyway. But God gave an opportunity, didn't he? And it's basically been closed. They've got the Orthodox Russian church there now. I think Mr. Putin goes there. But what's being taught there? The truth of the gospel? No. Promoting the government. But you see, God gave them invitation. What, what about us? What about friends we've got? What about family we know? Where God has given invitation after invitation. And you wonder when the last one's going to come. To an individual or to a family. You pray that God be gracious. And, and through your prayers for the people you know, God might just give another invitation. You see, you don't know what these family members or these friends are thinking. You don't know how the Lord is coming upon them and convicting them of their sin and their need to trust the Lord. We need, we need to just keep praying that the Lord will keep knocking and keep asking in grace, giving the invitation again and again. Because our God is a long-suffering God. Our God is a merciful God. Our God is a loving God. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all men come to repentance. That's what the scripture tells us. And, and that's why the age of grace, the church, has gone for 2,000 years. Longest of any period of time that God has dealt with man in any way, even longer than the millennium, a thousand years longer, than God has given the open invitation for people to come. And still gives that. And, and we, we've, we've been thinking the Lord's coming. I mean, who, who, Brother Rex, how long have you think the... 19? 80. For 80 years he's been thinking the Lord's coming. I've been... Not quite that long. But, yeah, when I first heard and understood, yeah, the Lord's coming soon, the Lord's coming soon. But in his grace he's allowed time to go on and on and on. And we might, Brother X, we might go before. We, we pray not. <laughs> we look for his coming, don't we? Those who are getting older. And uh, <clears throat> we thought, well, how can the world go on? And it is. <laughs> it's gone on and on and God is gracious and long-suffering and waiting for people to turn. Time hasn't run out yet, has it? <clears throat> so the Romans under Titus came and destroyed the city in 70 A.D., God's, God's patience ran out for them there. He executed severe, severe judgment. Hundreds of thousands of Jews were killed. And it's said that because Christians knew what had been penned in the Gospels and thing, the warnings from the apostles that no Christians were in Jerusalem when Titus invaded it. And it's interesting to read and hear of what Josephus the historian, the Jewish historian, was writing with the Romans that he said about the whole situation and, and how he even pleaded with people who were Jews to, you know, to stop defying the Roman government. But God executed judgment. 
Now we go to verse 8 and we see the king's open invitation to the human race. We've seen it to the Hebrew race. Time's up. No more invitation. Now we see it to the human race, to the Gentile people in verse 8. And he said to his servants, the wedding is ready. They who were bidden were not worthy. Go therefore into the highways and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. And so we've, if you're looking at the outline, there's sort of another outline on top of the other one. There's the, the illustration of the wedding, verse 1 and 2, the invitation to the wedding, verse 3 to 10. We're halfway through that point now, the invitation to the wedding. There's the command. The Jews rejected two royal invitations. The gospel sent via the highways and byways to all. When I was working for Brother Harry Schmidt and putting a lot of little dams in every spring in his paddock, he had a dam on it. And um, <clears throat> he said the first time I was talking about, I'll put a byway over there. I said, a what? <laughs> yeah, put a byway over that side. Oh, you mean a spillway? Uh, no, a byway. I said, no, a spillway. <laughs> Where the water goes out so it doesn't float over the top of the... And, and uh, when I think of it, I think of Harry. Some things that make you think back... And this is a, the byways. What's the byway? The highways, the big freeways. The byways, the little roads. Go into all places and take the message. Actually, I was reading in the Herald of Hope just this week about the method of giving tracts out. And I thought it was interesting. You might have read it. There's, there's a, they use about a five-pronged approach and they said... You can, you can do the whole area, but you can concentrate on 100 or 500 homes and just do them with this tract first, and then a few weeks later do them with this tract, and they go through about five different tracts to keep doing the same area. And they said that's been the best response for people to respond to the message because they hear it, they might put it away and they think about it, and they get an, oh, another one, another something. They don't know it's from the same person. <laughs> they say, don't put your phone number on to the last one. Your phone number, okay, not mine. <laughs> no, whatever. The tracks we gave out has got our, our phone number on it. And people who give them out, John says, you get any phone calls today? I said, no, you've been out, haven't you? <laughs> but <clears throat> there's getting the message out, the highways and the byways, to those that are rich, to those that are poor. And this is the command that's given here, the command to take the message out. What, does the, what do these verses sound like? As you read verse 9, go there for the highways... And as many as shall you shall find bid to the marriage. Verse 8 and 9. What verses do they sound like in another portion of Scripture? Go ye into all the world. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria is the uttermost parts of the world. Take the message. Go with the gospel message to all people. During... This time, or in the Lord's time, Jesus said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But now he could say, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Them also I must invite to the wedding. And this is what's happening. And that's in Matthew, I mean John 10, verse 16. So go not but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, to the, to the apostles when they went out two by two in the seventy. And then afterward, he said, other sheep I have. You know, we're the other sheep. <laughs> we're the Gentile sheep. We're the one saved through the message that was been, that people have obeyed this command and somewhere down through the line. Hey, when you get to heaven, 
are you going to do a, a, a one of those lineage things uh, and, and say, okay, I got saved through the preaching of this person or mum and dad. Okay, we follow them back. Uh, mum and dad got saved from li- listening to evangelist so-and-so or, or somebody else. And then And follow it back right to where, which apostle did. <laughs> I don't know that we'll be able to do that, but the, there will be in heaven those that talk, 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 and, and it got down to us. The message was given, maybe from just the word of God. We might be surprised that great-great-great-granddad was a Christian, but in between it was all un- non-Christians. Maybe his prayers were answered. We don't know that we've got a lot of relatives in heaven we didn't know about. It, it happens, and sometimes it happens like that. We discover somebody that's a Christian in the past from a Bible we get or from a message they, they left somewhere or from a letter they, they gave to somebody, and there it is. But the message is to go, isn't it? The command to go. The crowd, in verse 10, So those servants went out into the highways, gathered all, as many as they found, both bad and good. This sounds like some other parables we looked up, some bad and good. The wheat and the tares. Leave them grow together, it seems. As a pastor in a church, it's hard to have the bad ones, the unsaved pretending to be Christians, or the ones that are in there and think they're Christians and they're surely not because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So there, there needs to be wisdom in the application and understanding of these truths here, the crowd. So the, 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 the bad, the poniros, is the word in Greek, is the depraved. Yeah, invite, invite the bad. Hey, sinners need to be saved. I go not to call the righteous, Jesus said, but sinners to repentance the religious the good the good the moral upright religious people but within the church in the membership of the church that should be kept as best we know how those that are saved people from all walks of life is what is being said here the bad you know the um, tax collectors the publicans what's the little man Zacchaeus's and the uh and, and, and the one that came to Jesus by night, Nicodemus's, the good, the bad, all of them come and invite them to the Lord. So, as I said this morning, it makes no difference if you're a person in Africa, in the jungle, or you're dressed up as a man in a suit in a Western society, we're all sinners needing salvation. The extended invitation to the wedding and um, <clears throat> the indignation at the wedding in verse 11 as we read and when the king came in to see the guest he saw there a man who had not on a wedding garment and he said unto him friend how camest thou in here having not a wedding garment and he was speechless so there is the indignation at the wedding. The problem is the guest who had no robe. What is this robe that's spoken of here? The robe of? That's it, the robe of righteousness. It's mentioned in different portions of Scripture. In um, the book of Isaiah, chapter 61 and verse 10, 
we have this written. I great I greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with a garment of salvation. He hath covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. And so, yes, uh, this fellow hasn't got a bridegroom. He hasn't got salvation. He hasn't got the righteousness of the Lord upon him. And so the guest who had no robe, uh, have you got a robe? Have you got the robe of salvation upon you? Second um, <clears throat> Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves whether you are in the faith. Prove yourselves. Know ye yourselves how Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. How many are in this perilous position? Maybe responded to a pressured invitation, or intellectually or emotionally said yes on the on the on the spot at some time. Their conscience has never been quickened, the heart has never been cleansed, the will has never been touched, and the spirit has not been regenerated. And the Lord said, Many will profess that we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils. We've done many wonderful works. And the Lord will profess unto them in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Are we genuinely saved? Are we truly born again? Make sure of that. Don't end up in that day without a wedding garment on. Now, you can't stretch a parable too far. You can't say, well, let the raptures and non-Christians are going up too. And they're not going to have wedding garments on and you'll have to throw them back down to earth. No, no, doesn't mean that. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. Only saved people will go there. <clears throat> but I think this has to do really at the end of the tribulation where the sheep and the goats are gathered. All the nations are gathered. Everybody from everywhere is gathered and then he sorts them out of sheep and goats, sheep and goats. Believers and non-believers. And the ones with the garment on go into the kingdom. Can you imagine, and I can see a preacher that's good with words, picking on verse 12, and he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou here, not having a wedding garment? And he was what? Speechless. He was speechless. The word friend is used in the same way that the Lord Jesus used it of Judas in Matthew twenty six twenty, friend, go and do what you're going to do, and do it quickly. I think he said he had insulted the Lord's glory. He had despised the gift of God to him, the way of Calvary, and he went his way, and he was doomed, wasn't he? Be better for that man that he'd not been born, but he <coughs> stood speechless gobsmacked is literally what it means here his goodness is as filthy rags you know many of those people that stand behind the elevated pulpits in all their robes and rags and waving smoke incense around will be people without the garment on they thought they were clothed with salvation you know unlike the story we shared the other week was it last week about uh, the, the, the preacher guy. The two preachers had graduated from seminary and they thought they would... <clears throat> as I was talking to someone this morning after the message, we talked about that. and uh, What were they doing 
in God's service if they didn't believe what God has written. You just said, why do they do it? I said, well, it can only be for power or popularity or, 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 or being you know, in front of people. I, I don't know why they do that sort of thing, why they want that sort of position when they're not even believing themselves. And praise God, God can save them and put a garment of salvation on them too, can't he? But they who do not repent will stand speechless before the presence of the Lord on that day. And the punishment is in verse 13 and 14. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him out into outer darkness. And there should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That phrase is used several times in scripture. If you think, well, you know, some people say, well, I'm just on my way with my mates to hell and I don't care. I'm just going there. All my mates will be there. No. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where the worm dieth not. Where the fire is not quenched. Where this goes on forever and ever and ever. Never to end. What's the use of putting on a facade of being a Christian when you're not? And this is the consequence of not having the wedding garment on. I think the message today, morning and evening, I didn't plan it. But it's very pointed to us to be ready to be prepared is it not the punishment is swift it's sure it's just it's terrible upon those that insulted such an invitation now if you had invited somebody to a wedding and you knew they were free and they could have come and they didn't it is insulting to us but when God invites people he invited the Jews and they said no he invites Gentiles majority saying no the punishment will be severe. <clears throat> Outer darkness. Outer darkness. You got the story of the rich man, <coughs> rich man and Lazarus. The weeping and gnashing of teeth and these things. The wrath of God poured out without mixture. Revelation 14. Come while it's the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation, isn't it? Not tomorrow. Don't put a decision off. <laughs> We can apply as much pressure as we want, but don't make an emotional decision. As one preacher I heard when I was only about 14 years old, he, in, in those days, things were somewhat different. People were more open, and he was teaching, preaching to teenagers and leaders at a camp. And he said, if you come down this aisle with a grin on your face, I'll send you back to your seat, and I'll chase you out of here. <laughs> I thought, and the response in tears of people I haven't seen that sort of thing much since but they truly repented they realized the severity and the seriousness of rejecting the message <clears throat> second Peter 1 10 wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things you shall never fall make your calling and election sure Sure. And I've got a heap of verses we won't look up from Hebrews where it says if, if, if. A lot of ifs in that chapter 2, 3 and 4 concerning the Hebrews to whom it was written. Let's not trace, let's not go back. Let's not return. Let's stay true to the Lord. Showing that we're truly born again 
have on the robe. Have you been invited to the wedding? Have you said yes? The, what is it, R, S, V, am I right, P? Respond if you will. That's what it's meaning, respond if you will. Your invitation. But there's a, there's a, there's a date, and only the Lord knows when you have to respond by. It's the date of death. Your death or the Lord's coming. Only the Lord knows that. Today you might have an opportunity. Tomorrow may be too late. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word, the seriousness of this, the open invitation to the Hebrews. The Hebrew race was rejected and then were scattered over the four corners of the earth. The invitation is given to us Gentiles and many, the majority, have said no. O oh Lord, the invitation is still going out for any who will respond today. May you draw those to yourself who have heard the message that they may be your children today, robed with the garment of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.